welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the evening service of Sunday the 20th of July 2014, entitled, What Will Happen to Israel? And the Bible reading is taken from Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 to 16. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. The book of Isaiah, chapter 11. So we're going to read verses 1 through 16. I invite you to stand to honor the reading of God's precious and holy word, beginning in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1. And there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord shall make him of quick understanding the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove the equity for the meek of the earth. And he shall smite the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips shall he slay the wicked. Righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, faithfulness the girdle of his reins. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall feed. Their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The sucking child shall play in the hole of the asp, and the winged child shall put his hand in the, cock, the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, where the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. To it shall the Gentiles seek, and his rest shall be glorious. And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt, from Pathros and from Cush, from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. He shall set up an ensign for the nations, shall assemble the outcasts of Israel and gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. The envy also of Ephraim shall depart the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. But they shall fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines toward the west. They shall spoil them of the east together. They shall lay their hand upon Edom and Moab, and the children of Ammon shall obey them. And the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea. With his mighty wind shall he shake his hand over the river and shall smite it in the seven streams and make men go over dry shod. There shall be an highway for the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria like as it was to Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt. Father, we thank you this evening that as we gather here this evening, Lord, that we have the privilege once again to read, to look into your word. Lord, that we can have the privilege of being able to look to you. 
Lord, for your understanding, for your teaching, for your power this evening, and for that we seek, Lord. We pray that as we look briefly at these few verses here from, the, from your word, we pray, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts, give us understanding, apply it to our souls in such a way, Lord, that it would change us, make us more like you would have us to be. We'll give you all the praise and thanks for it. In Christ's name we pray, amen amen. A simple question this evening, what will happen to Israel? And I said this morning, we certainly won't answer all that will happen to Israel in one service this evening. But in light of all the current events in the Middle East and all the opinions, strong opinions about what Israel should and should not be doing at this moment, it's amazing because people can feel very, very strong. They're very, very opinionated. And I've heard many comments made on the radio this week of all those that are being interviewed and all those that say what they should be doing and what they shouldn't be doing. And people feel so strong and they have their opinions. But the truth is, is that God has an opinion. <laughs> That's what we should be most interested in. In light of all that and in light of the fact that this little tiny nation of Israel is surrounded by a people that openly admit and brag about the fact that they desire her complete annihilation. They don't want it to be there. They want it to be gone, destroyed, utterly. In light of the fact that even in our day, right now, some of Israel's closest allies seem to be distancing themselves more, distancing themselves from Israel and the choices that she's making and the things that they do because of the political backlash that they might get from taking a stand. I believe that in, in, in light of all of these things, that it would beg us to look into the Word of God and answer that simple question, what will happen to Israel? Well, the prophet Isaiah gives us some real good insight into the future of that nation. Matter of fact, there's so much about the future of that nation that is contained in God's Word, but I want to just give you a, a few simple facts this evening that as you hear all these things and you see all these things, there are some things. We don't know how many were killed today and how many will be killed tomorrow. We don't know what choices will be made on both sides, but there are some things that are absolutely certain that will happen to the nation of Israel. We have seen so many of God's prophecies already fulfilled. And certainly, even in the lifetimes of a number of you here this evening, the reestablishment of the nation of Israel in May of 1948 is no small thing in light of biblical prophecy. As a matter of fact, I think that we could say that it's without question the most significant sign of the times in which we live that we could possibly see. We look 
And we've talked many times about the, the signs of the times and what uh, the Lord has shown us that when you see these things, you know that the end is near. There is nothing that we see that is more relevant than the nation of Israel. After all of these years, I believe that that's one thing that we could honestly say is surely the beginning of the end. That is one prophecy that needed to be fulfilled for the Lord's return, for the tribulation period here on earth, for the millennial kingdom of our Lord to be set up. That prophecy needed to be fulfilled. And guess what? It has. Now, God can do things quickly. His time scale is very different from ours a lot of times. As we look at all these things that are going on in and around Israel, can we answer that question with any amount of confidence? What will happen to Israel? Well, as we direct our attention to this one chapter, and there's a lot in this chapter, and I just want to pick out a few nuggets, if we could, this evening, because it doesn't tell us everything that's going to happen, but it certainly spreads some very bright light on some absolute certainties that we can count on in answering that question. One thing that we can say for certain, in just looking at the chapter as a whole, one thing that is absolutely clear, and may I say to you this evening, no matter what, no matter how, no matter how many Arab nations want to see Israel destroyed, no matter how many of her allies back off and get afraid and, and are afraid to take the stand with her, no matter what is armed against her, Israel will survive. There is no question about that. She will not be annihilated. She will not be destroyed. She will not be put off of her land in the Middle East where God promised her, where God placed her, and where it's God's hand that had that nation reestablished in 1948 against all odds. Israel will survive. She may seem to be such a tiny figure with such great enemies amassed against her, but she will survive. There is no question about the survival of Israel. And as we look through these certainties in Scripture, I can promise you one thing, that you do not want to be her enemy. She will survive, and you do not want to be on the other side at any point. Now, let me make it clear, that doesn't mean that we agree with every choice that she makes and every decision that she makes. We don't agree with that everything she does is perfect. Because a matter of fact, if you read through God's word and he's totally honest in the history of that nation, she spent more time in disobedience than she did in obedience. But that doesn't change the fact that she is God's chosen people and she will survive even if she does do some things wrong. And we don't have to agree with what she does wrong to take a stand for that nation. Israel will survive. But she'll not only survive. Let me give you just a couple of tidbits from this chapter right here. You see, as we begin reading in chapter 11 here, we see an amazing thing. We see that as we begin to look here that 
The Bible begins to talk about this coming forth of this rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch. You notice in your Bible that that B is a capital B. It's not just any branch that will grow out of those roots. It's the Lord Jesus Christ himself that's being prophesied of here. And as we begin to reach down and he talks about the, the spirit of the Lord and all that's going to be upon him, the wisdom, the strength, and all that God is, we find this phenomenal, amazing thing. A wolf dwelling with a lamb, a leopard laying down with a kid with a, with a billy goat, a calf and a lion, and the fatling all together, a, a little child leading them around on a lead a cow and a bear feeding together, the young ones lying down together, the lion eating straw like an ox. We'd probably get pretty nervous if it was our child that was sticking his hand in that hole where that snake makes its home. There's a lot of those where I come from, a lot of snake holes where they make, I guarantee you I don't go sticking my hand down in there and I wouldn't want my child. But during this time, there'll be no danger. The weaned child shall put his hand in the cockatrice den, notice what it says in verse 9. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord, Jehovah there, as the waters cover the sea. You know that there's not been a time in the creation of all that we see where the times have been that since sin entered in in the Garden of Eden. God created as we talked about last Sunday and this morning in that Genesis account, God created all that is, and he was able to look at it. It was good. It was perfect. It was right. It was us that messed it all up, <laughs> all the fighting, all the destruction, all this that's gone on because of sin. But you see, what we see a picture of here is once again the earth being like God designed it to be. There shall not hurt nor destroy. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I want you to notice something. Israel will not only survive. Notice what it goes on in verse 10. And in that day, in that day, that's the day of our Lord when he returned. In that day there shall be a root of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign of the people. You see, they're not only going to survive, they are going to be ruled and reigned by Jesus Christ himself. Jesus Christ is going to come back. Not only will Israel survive, it's where the throne of our Lord will be set. That's where he will rule and reign upon this earth. And this earth is going to be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. It's going to be like nothing we can even begin to comprehend and imagine. These verses, they give us a glorious description of what the earth will be like under the reign of Christ. Folks, this is what God said it was be, would be like. We talked this morning about the authority of God's word. Take it for what it says. I know we can't imagine it being like that, but that's the way it will be when Jesus Christ is the one that's sitting on that throne in Israel. He'll be reigning from a throne in Jerusalem. Yes, <laughs> he will be sitting there 
as the king of Israel, but it says he stands as an ensign, as an ensign, a flag, a banner, if you would, to the people. <laughs> Nobody will miss his presence. <laughs> and guess what? Nobody will be able to have any question as to where he is that he's there on the throne in Israel. He'll be as a banner. You see, he also says something else. He goes on, to it shall the Gentiles seek, <laughs> and his rest shall be glorious. You see, he's ruling from his throne in Israel, but the Gentiles will be drawn to him. In fact, Christ, the Jewish king, will not only rule and reign over Israel, but from Israel he will rule and reign over the whole earth. Oh, Israel will survive. And upon the throne of that nation will set the king of kings and the Lord of lords as he rules and reigns. What will happen to Israel Oh, her enemies will not succeed. No matter how many bombs they got, no matter what power that they mustered, no matter what they pulled together, they cannot succeed in destroying Israel. They'll survive and not only survive, but her king is going to sit upon his throne in that nation and rule and reign over this earth for 1,000 years. What will happen? I want to just turn back into the book of Romans because I think that there, Paul quotes from this very passage that we're looking at here. And, of course, we need to keep in mind, in Romans chapter 15, you see, the Jews and the Gentiles are all being drawn together when Jesus Christ is sitting upon his throne. Folks, there is only one salvation, Jew or Gentile. He says here in Romans chapter 15, we then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. For even Christ pleased not himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind and with one mouth glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us to the glory of God. Now I say that Jesus Christ was a minister of the circumcision of the truth of God to conform the promises made unto the fathers and that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy as it is written. For this cause I will confess to thee among the Gentiles and sing unto thy name. And again he saith, rejoice ye Gentiles with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all ye Gentiles, and laud him, all ye people. Verse 12, he quotes where we just read from. And again, Isaiah saith, there shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles, in him shall the Gentiles trust. 
Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. You see, what Paul is talking about here in writing to the church at Rome, he's talking about that what we see Isaiah prophesying back there is a hope for us all. Because Jesus Christ will, Israel will survive. And Jesus Christ himself will sit upon that throne and rule and reign over the nation of Israel, but also over the whole world. And that's for our benefit. Jesus Christ is our only hope, whether we're Jew or whether we're Gentile. And though we might see some of that come to fruition as people come to the Lord now, in that day when Jesus Christ sits upon the throne is when we will see it in its fullness. Jew and Gentile are together as one in the Lord Jesus Christ. What will happen to Israel? Well, Israel will survive. And Christ will rule and reign over the whole earth from Jerusalem. But also, notice what he says in the next two verses there, in verses 11 and 12. He says, and it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people, which shall be left from Assyria and from Egypt and from Pathros and from Cush and from Elam and from Shinar and from Hamath and from the islands of the sea. And he shall set up an ensign for the nations and shall assemble the outcast of Israel and gather to gather the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. You see, not only will Israel survive, and not only when they survive will Jesus Christ reign, rule and reign from his throne in Israel, but they will be recovered. The Jews, the nation of Israel, the people that make up that nation will be recovered from all of the earth. He said there that he would set his hand against the second time to Recover the remnant the second time. You see, just as the Lord, after he made that promise to his people, to Israel, the promised land that would be theirs, and here they are in captivity in Egypt, just as he delivered them the first time out of the hands of the Egyptians, he's going to deliver him a second time here from all over the world to that same promised land that he promised them the first time. He's going to take them a second time right back to there. Christ himself will recover the remnant of his people. Stop and think for a moment. The Jews after being dispersed from their land, 70 A.D., they have faced some of the cruelest treatments, some of the greatest depths of hatred that any people on earth have ever had to face. From 70 A.D., it's only been since 1948 in all those years that they were a people without a land. But yet God had promised them that he was going to recover them, recover that remnant from all the four corners of the earth. We see much of that that has already taken place. Many of them have been recovered to that land, but you know what? God's going to recover all of them, each and every one of them. From any place that you can imagine, Israel 
will survive. They'll survive and see Christ rule and reign from their throne in Jerusalem. And in that day, the Jewish people will be recovered from all over the world to the land that was promised them by the Lord. Mark it down. Mark it down. Not only will they survive, but even to this day when there are millions of Jews in other places, the Bible says they're going to all be brought back. They're not going to run the ones out of there that are there. All the rest of them in the world are going to end up there, praise God. That's what's going to happen to Israel. But he also tells us something else in verse 13. He says, the envy also of Ephraim shall depart, and the adversaries of Judah shall be cut off. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. This is another phenomenal thing. Look back with me into uh, 1 Kings chapter 12. You'll recall the story of what takes place. 1 Kings chapter 12. Let's just begin reading in verse 16. He says, So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse. To our tents, O Israel, now see to thine own house, David. So Israel departed unto their tents. And as for the children of Israel, which dwell in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then King Rehoboam sent Adoram, and who was over the tribute, and all Israel stoned him with the stones that he died. Therefore King Rehoboam made speed to get him up to his chariot to flee to Jerusalem. So Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. And it came to pass when all Israel heard that Jeroboam was come again, that they sent and called him into the congregation and made him king over all Israel. And there was none that followed the house of David, but the tribe of Judah only. You see, that's when the nation was divided under David. The nation of Israel was divided. And here in verse 13, Ephraim and Judah represent that divided kingdom of Israel that took place back under King David's reign. Ephraim represents the ten northern tribes, and Judah, the two southern tribes. After all of these years, since King David set upon the throne, when King Jesus comes to set upon that throne, he says here in verse 13, he says that they are going to be brought back together. Ephraim shall not envy Judah, and Judah shall not vex Ephraim. They will be reunited with each other for the first time since the nation of Israel was divided back under King David. So you're not going to divide them. <laughs> you got this nation that everybody's wanting to destroy but they're going to survive and Jesus Christ is going to come back and sit upon the throne and rule and reign over them and over all of the earth and he's going to call his people and reunite them from all across the four corners of the earth and he's going to reunite the nation of Israel with each other. For the first time since then, Ephraim and Judah, the northern tribes and the southern tribes, they will all be reunited together once again, but this time forever. 
the entire nation of Israel. What will happen to Israel? They will survive. They'll be ruled and reigned by Christ from his throne in Jerusalem. They'll be recovered from the four corners of the earth to their homeland, and they will be reunited with one another in a final and lasting peace forever. And everybody else wants to rip them and tear them apart and destroy them and disperse them. Well, that's not going to happen, folks. <laughs> they will be brought together like never before. And notice what's going to happen in verse 14 and 15. And this is why I say you do not want to be on the wrong side. But they shall fly upon the shoulders of the Philistines toward the west. They shall spoil them of the east together. They shall lay their hand upon Edom and Moab, and the children of Ammon shall obey them. And the Lord shall utterly destroy the tongue of the Egyptian sea, and with his mighty wind shall he shake his hand over the river and shall smite it in the seven streams and make men go over dryshod. You see... <laughs> They're going to be resplendent in their victory. I mean, nobody's going to miss this. <laughs> it's, it's going to be the show of all times. Nobody's going to miss who the nation of Israel is. They spent most of their history under the oppression, the dominance of outside powers. Even when Jesus Christ walked upon this earth, they were oppressed by outside powers. May I say to you, no longer she herself will not only defeat her enemies in resplendent glory, she will be the dominant political force to deal with upon the face of the earth. Just, he uses the illustration here, just as God miraculously dried up the Red Sea when he delivered Israel from the Egyptians, and he set him up in the promised land. He's once again going to move mightily. And in this case, instead of the Red Sea, it's the Euphrates that he's going to dry up. And his people are going to be able to walk over dry shot. That just means an old sandals. <laughs> They're just going to be walk, able to walk over in sandals. People today, they have problems recognizing that when the Word of God talks about parting the Red Sea, and God's people walking across on dry land, and then those seas engulfing back over her enemies, people try to make all kinds of things out of that to make it realistic to where it wasn't really a miracle. Well, God not only did it then, but God's going to do it again. And notice what he says in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 12. Can't help but just wonder if these two things might be related this is when the sixth vial is opened during the seven years of tribulation and the sixth angel poured out his vial upon the great river Euphrates and the water thereof was dried up and the way of the kings of the east might be prepared. Keep in mind, a lot of these things during that seven years of great tribulation upon this earth, the vast majority of that is dealing with the nation of Israel reestablishing that kingdom upon this earth for God to rule and reign during that thousand-year millennial reign. I'm saying to you folks, you don't want to be Israel's enemy. You see, what we want to realize here is that God has chosen that people. They will survive They will be ruled and reigned by Jesus Christ himself from his throne in Jerusalem. 
They will be recovered from the four corners of the earth back to their homeland, the promised land. They will be reunited with one another in a final peace where all the 12 tribes once again are joined together in peace. They will be resplendent in victory over all of their enemies. Nobody will miss it. And I want to give you one final thing in verse 16. And there shall be an highway for the remnant of his people which shall be left from Assyria, like as it was to Israel in the day that he came up out of the land of Egypt. He's using that same, you know, God delivered them from the oppression and brought them into the promised land. And they did some messing up on the way on that journey as well. And remember, it cost them 40 years in the wilderness. They didn't get it all right. But God brought them from Egypt, and God delivered them in the promised land, whatever they had to learn in between. And I'm saying to you, God himself is using that illustration that just like he brought them out of the oppression of Egypt and delivered them into the promised land once again, he is bringing them out of the oppression of this world, and they will be in their promised land that he gave to them. And he says here that... It was going to be just like it was to Israel in the day that he came out of the land of Egypt. He also said there that there'd be a highway for the remnant of his people which shall be left. You see, he's making it clear. There's not a Jew anywhere on the face of this earth that can't claim this promise. There's not a Jew on the face of this earth that can't return to that homeland He's reminding us here, part of what he's just shown us up in verse 11 and 12 concerning this returning remnant. But what he's making sure we know is that Israel will be restored in complete fullness. No Jew anywhere will be cut off or left out. Israel will be restored in fullness with every Jew being welcomed back to the homeland. I'd like to read you a quote in closing, that I didn't really think that I could put into my words any better. John Phillips said in his commentary on this passage, he said, the rebirth of the state of Israel is in defiance of the laws of history. When a people is uprooted from its homeland and scattered far and wide, history demonstrates that the dispersed individuals are assimilated into other nations. He's talking about the rebirth of the nation of Israel in 1948, that it defies every law of history when you look around. When a people are uprooted from its homeland and scattered far and wide, history demonstrates that the dispersed individuals are assimilated into the other nations. In other words, they soon lose their own identity. He uses an illustration. Immigrants, for instance, in the United States from Europe are absorbed within three generations. The original immigrants retained strong ties with the old country. Their language, their customs, their memories are all rooted back there. Their children are usually bilingual and have knowledge of the old country derived from the parents, but their educational and cultural ties are with the world in which they have been born. The grandchildren often have very few links to the old country because they've been completely assimilated into the new culture. The Jews have been scattered, not for three generations, but for over 60 generations. 
and they have not only preserved their national identity, but they've won back their ancestral land that was taken from them. What will happen to Israel? They will survive. You can mark it down. I don't care what you see. I don't care what you hear. I don't care what is amassed against them. The nation of Israel will survive. I don't care whether all the pundits and all the reporters and everybody else with their strong opinions, I don't care if they understand, if they understand what's going on there or not, Israel will survive. They'll not only survive, but they'll be ruled and reigned by the Lord Jesus Christ himself from his throne in Jerusalem. They will be recovered from the four corners of the earth and brought back to their homeland. They will be reunited one with another, the 12 tribes, once and for all in a final peace. They will be resplendent in victory over all of her enemies. The nation of Israel will be restored in total and complete fullness where God placed them. And Jesus Christ is the one that will be sitting there to make sure it happens. Father, we thank you this evening. Lord, that as we read, and Lord, this is only just such a tidbit of all the things that you show us. But Father, we see much about your people in the news today. We see much that is going on. There are much fighting there. Father, we see that it seems like that there are certainly very few people that are on her side. Well, I pray that you would guide that nation in the right choices and the right decisions and what she needs to do to be able to survive. But I don't think anybody else fully understands that. Now, Father, I pray that you would take and as you put your hand of protection upon your people, Father, I pray that you would help us, those that know the same Messiah that will be coming back for them. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be united in our cause of looking to you for the answers and not to the world. But, Father, we realize that even today as the Jewish people are gathered there, that there are very few of them that know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I pray, Lord, that you would move amongst them. We thank you, Lord, that we also know from your word, Lord, that there will be a day when they will come to recognize and see you as their true Messiah. We pray even this day that you would be with all those Lord, that have a part in witnessing to that people in any way. Help us, Lord. Help us to be a light unto that people. Help us, Lord, to clearly see and understand that one day, one day, you will sit upon the throne of Israel. You'll rule and reign. Lord, our hope is in Jesus Christ, that same Jesus Christ that will be ruling and reigning at that time. Our hope is in him this evening, and it's in his name we pray. Amen and amen. Amen.